0: You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. Welcome to our latest talk in our Being Human series, where we're looking at what it means to be human, made in the image of God. We've been trying to get to grips with some issues that maybe we don't often address in church and yet are fundamental to who we are and how we live our lives. And so this morning, we're looking at physical health, which suddenly feels like the most important topic in the world. I'd like to begin by sharing something of my own experience. At the start of 2011, I began to feel unwell random aches and pains in my arms and legs, in my hands and hips. I was also feeling exhausted, not just tired, but drained mentally and physically. Fortunately, I had a sympathetic GP and underwent a range of tests and treatments over the coming months before it was concluded that I had a condition called fibromyalgia. This is a disorder of the nervous system, which means, among other things, a heightened registering of pain in the body. There's no cure for it. So it's a condition that needs to be managed and lived with. Recently, I came across some notes I'd made after I'd had the diagnosis. These included some targets, one of which was, walk to the end of Englishcombe Lane and back twice a week. Thankfully, I've been able to do far more than that, to the extent that I've been able to get back to playing football again. And some of you will understand what joy that brings to my soul. But I still have to live with fibromyalgia and with the IBS which often comes hand-in-hand. This means that I wake up most mornings with a headache or stomachache, and often both. I have to manage these through the day so that I can work and live life. I discovered very early on that routine is very important in living with fibromyalgia, trying to avoid peaks and troughs. So I always rest in the afternoon for around three hours, including sleeping for 20 to 30 minutes, which sounds like an incredibly luxurious thing to do. But if I push myself too hard, I suffer the consequences, usually with a bad headache or migraine. All in all, it seems like a very long time since I last felt well. Perhaps most of you will be feeling a degree of sympathy for me. But I'm very aware that many of you are having to live with significant challenges to your physical health. You may be thinking, well, it could be worse. And I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm very much aware that many people with fibromyalgia find life much more challenging than I've ever done. It feels like I've got off lightly. And generally speaking, I would say that my health is good. When you have to fill in those forms, which list a whole bunch of physical ailments and conditions, I tick every no box. Apart from the odd cracked rib and a missing front tooth, courtesy of my sporting activities, I've never broken any bones. The only time I've stayed overnight in hospital is when I was undergoing tests back in 2011. I don't think I've ever had flu, and I rarely get colds. And paradoxically, given my IBS, I never have stomach bugs. All of which is a long lead-in to my first point, which is that physical health can be quite hard to define. What is physical health? The World Health Organization has a definition for health in general, rather than physical health as such. But health in general, it defines as a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. So a definition of health as a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. And in many ways that's a helpful definition, because it reminds us that we're whole persons, we can't separate out our physical health from other aspects of life. It also points us beyond the mere absence of disease or infirmity, to something more, rather like the biblical concept of shalom, the word that's often translated peace, and yet means so much more than just the absence of conflict. So in many ways it's a helpful definition, but maybe it's too grand, too ambitious. If health is a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being, well, would any of us say we're healthy? And maybe this just reflects my experience, but it seems difficult to think of physical health apart from thinking about disease or infirmity. How do we quantify or measure physical health? Of course, there are all sorts of measurements and tests that can be carried out, from weight and blood pressure to kidney function, identifying allergies. One of the positive things about the COVID-19 pandemic is that we know far more at this stage than we did with previous outbreaks such as SARS or AIDS. And we have a reliable test available. The huge logistical challenge is making that more widely and easily available. But there are no objective measures for pain or stress or exhaustion. And so ultimately it seems that physical health is as much about how we feel as it is about what's actually going on in our bodies. There's a key moment in the film, I, Daniel Blake, where Daniel is being interviewed at the local job centre. He's worked as a carpenter until a heart attack has resulted in him having to apply for benefits. His GP has made it quite clear that he can't go back to his old trade. And yet the DWP health checklists simply ask whether he can walk upstairs, boil a kettle, etc., He ends up joining the thousands who are rendered ineligible for support simply because their health issues don't fit into neat categories. So it seems that physical health is ultimately a very personal thing. I don't know what your pain is like or what levels of exhaustion or stress you have to live with, and vice versa. So physical illness can be very isolating. It can turn us in on ourselves and generate issues of mental health as a result. So one challenge in thinking about this topic of physical health is how do we define it? Another challenge is that we live in a culture which prizes and promotes a certain picture of physical health and well-being. Our consumer culture is well summed up by the Burger King slogan from a few years back, have it your way. That's a pretty good summary of what consumer culture is all about, the messages that we hear on a daily basis. Have it your way. It's a message that comes at us from all angles, that we can have life as we want it. And that includes physical health, and especially if we spend our money buying the right products. How much of the advertising on our screens and in our papers and magazines is around health products? And it's not just our consumer culture which pushes us in this direction. Amazing scientific developments generate huge expectations about how much we can treat illness and disease. Perhaps the most shocking thing about the COVID-19 outbreak is that at the moment we're powerless to stop it. We're confident that in time a vaccine will be found, but for now we're at its mercy. And we're not used to that, especially in this country. Centuries of technological and scientific advances have generated a script which says whatever the problem, we can fix it. What if we can't fix it, though? What if we can't have life our way? What if we can't look and feel just how we want to? Over the past nine years, from time to time, people have passed on to me articles or books or forwarded links to websites about Cures or treatments for fibromyalgia. I've really appreciated the thoughts behind this, and sometimes these have been helpful. But the danger is, especially with a condition like fibromyalgia, where there's no definitive test to say that you've got it, the danger is that you end up feeling that it's somehow your fault that you're ill, that you haven't tried hard enough to find a solution, or that you just need to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Those thoughts come much less often these days, but they still sneak in from time to time. So thinking about physical health is challenging. It's hard to define what we, what we exactly mean by it. And there are a lot of messages that we get that perhaps make it difficult for us to, to get a true perspective, a sensible and a, and a sound perspective on what physical health is and, and what our lives are about. So how might we turn how might we arrive at a different perspective? Well if we turn to the Bible as many of us would want to do we find a range of viewpoints. In the Old Testament there's no real distinction made between what we might be called spiritual and physical aspects of our humanity. There's no real belief in life beyond death apart from one or two possible references. And the Old Testament also reflects very strongly the idea that everything comes from God, good and bad. So as Joe was pointing out last week, Saul's mental illness, which might be described as a paranoid schizophrenia, is attributed to an evil spirit from the Lord. Which is a statement that causes all sorts of issues if we take it too much at face value. So taken together, this Old Testament witness means that God's blessing is seen in material terms, to be experienced here and now through prosperity and a long and healthy life. Psalm 103 uh, begins in a very familiar way. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. goes on to say, The Lord who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed. Blessing is seen in material terms to be experienced here and now. And so conversely, ill health could be seen as a sign of God's judgment. And this is the essence really of the book of Job. The debate that runs through the book of Job is between Job and his so-called comforters. Job knows that he's done nothing wrong. He's done nothing to deserve this, uh, this affliction that's come upon him or the tragedy that struck his life. On the contrary, he's a godly man. But his so-called friends reflect the conventional view, which is that if there's something wrong with him, he must have done something wrong. Surely his illness and all the, else that, all the other things that have afflicted him are a sign of God's judgment. That's the debate and the discussion that takes place within the book of Job. And we see this same view reflected occasionally in the Gospels, especially in John chapter 9, where the disciples asked Jesus on seeing a man who's been blind from birth. The disciples asked Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? For just as Job did before him, Jesus explicitly rejects this idea. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. The question is not what or who caused this, but rather what is God going to do in this situation? And the connection between sin and sickness does arise elsewhere in the Gospels. Notably in the story of the man lowered through the roof of a house by his friends in Mark chapter 2. Jesus pronounces forgiveness for the man. When the teachers of the law and the religious experts protest, Jesus says, well, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you will know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I tell you get up and walk. The important thing to notice here is that this is not a story about the origins of sickness, but about the impact of Jesus' ministry. The focus is once again on what God is up to. And another passage from the Gospels to read very carefully is Mark chapter 6, where we read that Jesus was not able to perform many miracles in his hometown because of their lack of faith. This story reminds us once again that mind, body and spirit are interconnected and that our mindset can impact our physical health and vice versa. But it doesn't mean that if we have enough faith, we will not experience physical illness and disease. The logic doesn't work in that way. And we need to be careful in reading stories like this and other passages in the Bible. When we think about Jesus' ministry, it's clear that acts of healing were a major facet. They were signs and symbols of the coming kingdom of God, demonstrating the truth that the kingdom of god was at hand was breaking in in a new and radical way but it's important to recognize the wider context for jesus healing ministry which ultimately was all about inclusion because sickness and disability excluded people and so when healing came uh, when they were healed and restored those barriers were removed Jesus' healing ministry was a demonstration of the truth that everyone was welcome at the table. Sickness and disability were no longer barriers to belonging to the people of God. The kingdom of God brings healing in the fullest sense. That physical, mental and social well-being referred to in the World Health Organization definition. That's what healing means in the kingdom of God. That's what wholeness means and health are about. And so these stories of restoration encourage us to reach out in faith to seek for more to resist and fight against corruption and decay. But there is another perspective that we find in the Bible in which we need to hold in tension, which is that the kingdom is not yet fully here. Biblical scholars have coined the phrase now and not yet to describe this tension. The kingdom of God is now and not yet. It is here, but not yet fully here. We continue to pray, your kingdom come, and we seek to live out this prayer, to see it realized in our lives and the lives of others. And it is perhaps in thinking about health and well-being that we feel this tension most of all between the now and the not yet. It is in our physicality, our embodiedness, that we experience the frustration, the groaning of creation that Paul talks about in Romans 8. The Bible makes it clear that our bodies matter, that our hope is not for some disembodied existence beyond death, but for resurrection. Jesus, in his resurrection, is the firstfruits and the forerunner. But at the same time, we recognize the truth of Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 16, outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed daily. And perhaps as we get on in life and get older, that phrase takes on more and more resonance for us. So how do we live with this tension between the now and the not yet? How do we discover life in all its fullness, sometimes in the midst of pain and disability? In reflecting on this, this question, I was reminded of this famous prayer, which I think in so many ways takes us right to the heart of our faith. It's a prayer that's used by many 12-step groups and in all sorts of other settings. And it's, the words are very powerful. God, grant me the serenity to accept what can't be changed, the courage to change what can and the wisdom to know the difference. God, grant me the serenity to accept what can't be changed, the courage to change what can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It's a profound prayer, and especially the final clause, the wisdom to know the difference. That's the crucial bit. Is this a battle I need to fight, or a reality I need to accept? The question applies to so many areas of life, but perhaps especially to this issue of physical health, if we're thinking in terms of health and also in terms of illness and disability and uh, and so on. Is this a battle I need to fight or a reality I need to accept? And this is often the key question, and yet it can be the hardest to answer. As I suggested earlier, our culture pushes us in the direction of a battle to be fought, a problem to be overcome as we rage against the dying of the light. And we can be grateful for all the resources at our disposal to enable us to fight that battle. And so there is a sense when we think about physical health and well-being, we think about illness, that we must be prepared to take responsibility for our own well-being whether or not that involves the expertise of others, such as doctors or counsellors or whatever. Physical health matters. Activity, diet, the self-care that Joe was talking about last week. It might be helpful perhaps to review this, perhaps to identify one thing that we can do to care for ourselves in this area. Don't try to tackle everything all at once, for sure. But is there one area of our lives in terms of our physical health where we can do something to increase our sense of well-being, to increase our sense of health? So yes, there are things that we can do. There are battles to be fought. But it can be, also, it can be much harder to come to a place of acceptance, to see our situation as a reality to be accepted very often when crises strike whether they're health related or not we long for everything to get back to normal but sometimes we have to accept that this is the new normal the new reality in which we have to live out our lives we have to recalibrate and refocus which means letting go of some things and yes grieving the loss of those things But if we're able to do this, it can also open up new things for us. We can embark on new adventures, make new discoveries. Accepting what can't be changed doesn't mean giving up or giving in. There will be new battles to be fought in this new reality. And in all of this, and particularly because physical health is in the end such a personal thing. It's vital that we have a strong sense of self, of who we are, that we avoid comparing ourselves with others, for good or bad. Somehow in all of this, we have to figure out what it means for us to live life to the full. Sometimes overcoming challenges and difficulties and sometimes having to accept the reality of those things it's a difficult line to tread where we risk either giving up too easily or fighting losing battles which leave us feeling disillusioned frustrated and guilty we need wisdom so in this area of physical health and well-being as as in every other area of life. May God grant us the serenity to accept what can't be changed, the courage to change what can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.